Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by co-host and editor of thewolfpacker.com, Matt Carter. And today we are going to break down NC State's heartbreaking 45-42 loss to Wake Forest this weekend in Winston-Salem. Yes, every NC State fan is aware of the final score and the news, but we are going to break it down. We had, you know, gave ourselves the Sunday to kind of think about it, rewatch the tape, take a deep breath, and now we're going to have our comments, our thoughts, and what is ahead for the Wolfpack. But before we get into all of that, uh, let's do some house chores for the listeners and viewers at home. First of all, please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Go there right now, smash that subscribe button, hit the bell, whatever pops up on your screen that makes you a subscriber. Do that, and also give this video a thumbs up. Drop a comment while you're at it. It helps us out a ton. Plus, you should subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. And, of course, we've been saying it since the beginning of this month. We're now two weeks in. The Wolfpacker is part of the On3 network now. You should be a part of that network. You should come and join all the fun that's being had at thewolfpacker.com right now. And it's only going to cost you the grand total of a dollar. So... Sign up now. A dollar gets you a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 network, which includes thewolfpacker.com, which of course includes Matt Carter, the two-decade vet on the NC State Wolfpack beat, coming in with years of experience, years of experience of going to Winston-Salem and seeing results. I think that's a good segue into what we're going to talk about today, Matt. Um, I guess first off, let's just break the ice a little bit everyone i think is a little bit on edge about this game i was telling you before we started i was i was grumpy for some reason on sunday morning and i don't know why until about two hours in i had my coffee and i realized oh yeah last night happened matt are you thawed off now because your first comment to me once you arrived in winston-salem was man it's really cold out here so what was it like in Winston-Salem? What was the crowd like? What was the red to golden black ratio, temperature, all that stuff? Paint the picture, and then we'll talk about the football game. It was cold. Um, it was a little chilly in the press box. Food was good in the press box. They had some great garlic bread. I'll tell you that. Apparently, I was lucky, but they ran out of the garlic bread and switched to the rolls. And I got one, two of the last, maybe six pieces of garlic bread when I went went through the line, which is kind of ironic. But one of NC State's SIDs, Brian Reinhardt, kind of jokingly told me that I even sit down before I went to the pregame meal. And the truth is, no, I did put my stuff down, but then I went to the to the line. So technically, I did not sit down. I just put my my stuff down at my seat. And, but if I had not done that, I would have missed out on the garlic bread. So, veteran move. You talk about all that veteran experience I have. That's where it truly comes into play uh, more so than anything. But it was cold. It was a good crowd. It was sold out. I think they went over capacity on the crowd. Uh, I would say about 60, 40 Wake Entry State. Good chunk of Entry State fans there. It was more Wake fans, to be fair. But a good chunk of Entry State fans there. So, it was... Uh, yeah, it sounded like a good environment. It didn't come out the way NC State wanted. It was a good environment, and it was a great football game too. I mean, it was uh, 
you know, down to the wire, uh, con- maybe you know, somewhat controversial call at the end with the onside recovery. Did Ricky advance ten yards? Did he not? I, I agree with Dave Doran that it was a play that was so 50-50 that whatever the call on the field was was going to end up standing because they couldn't overturn it with, you know, obvious evidence that he either did or didn't cross the 10-yard line to get that onside recovery. Who knows what would have happened. There was still, what, about 45 seconds left on the clock at that point. NC State down three, of course. The decision ended the game. Wake Forest kneels it out. NC State only had two timeouts. That was the ball game. A lot of controversial calls in this game. A lot of missed opportunities from both teams. A lot of explosive plays from both teams. Um, but yeah, on the NC State side, you don't, I guess it's easier to look at it as an instant classic from the Wake Forest side because they get what you want. You you've, you've you now hold the keys to going to the ACC championship game. But um, I want to start with, I want to start with the offense because I think there's some questions about the strategy going into this game. It's a productive game from the Wolfpack, 42 points. One of their most explosive offensive outings against Power 5 competition this season, as we expected, as should be expected when you face one of the league's worst defenses and one of the worst defenses at the Power 5 level. But the thing that was a little bit head-scratching to me was just NC State's, not necessarily inability to run the ball, just Lack of rushing attempts, 18 rushing attempts on the night. Four of those include Devin Leary, which, you know, you got to count some of those as probable, probably some sacks being accounted there. So of your three running backs that got snaps, well, two the two running backs, one receiver, per, uh, Ricky Person, Bam Knight, and Keon Lassane, 14 combined carries against one of the worst rushing defenses in the Power 5. NC State runs for 74 yards compared to 116 for Wake Forest. I really thought this was the game the NC State offense was going to get the run game going. And, you know, it's not like it was a lack of production that was the problem. Ricky, four and a half yards per carry. Bam, seven and a half yards per carry. It wasn't like it wasn't working. They just didn't go to the run game ever. And I know it's a game where you had to keep up with Wake Forest offensive ex- offensive explosion. I know it's a game NC State gets behind by a few possessions in the first half. But that doesn't mean you can't still find ways to run the ball. It doesn't mean because NC State did have a lead there in the second half for a minute. So, what's your explanation with that, Matt? Does it does it uh, boggle your mind like it does me? Because I, I just I just thought this was going to be the game where NC State finally found a way to get the rushing game going. Yeah, you and I kind of disagreed on that in the uh, preview podcast, where I kind of pointed out that what happened, I, you know, not that toot my own horn. But if you were in the war room, if you subscribe for a dollar, you were in the war room on Friday, we talked about how don't just expect NC State to run the football because everybody else has run the football on on Wake Forest. And I think a big reason for that was, uh, frankly, that um, that Wake Forest was shorthanded in the secondary. And and NC State hadn't been a good running team this year. And so it's not like teams haven't thrown the ball against Wake Forest either. You know, as I pointed out, Virginia threw for over 400 yards on Wake Forest. Sam Howell had a nice game throwing the ball. Even Army, with a triple option offense, nearly threw for 200 yards on Wake Forest. So you can move the ball throwing the football on Wake Forest, and I think that's where NC State's more comfortable right now in offense, and throw in that they were really confident 
in the Emeka Meiji, Devin Carter versus the young outside or inexperienced outside corners that were down two guys out of their top three corners were down. They thought that that would be a good matchup. And now, the way I agree with you, I wasn't surprised that they came out throwing. I wasn't surprised that they stuck to being a throwing football team. Where I was surprised was the total abandonment of the running game, particularly when Bam Knight's first three carries in the first half produced. He ran for five yards, he ran for 11 yards, he ran for 12 yards. Five yards, 12 yards, 11 yards, in that order. Yeah, he had 28, 28 yards on his first three carries, and they were his only three offensive touches of the half. And then he had a 72-yard kickoff return near the end of the half. And then he had a 100-yard kickoff return to start the second half. Yeah, you know, I was turning to the guys around me. I think at some point you would think, hey, we got the lead now. Let's try to run the ball with Bam Knight. He looked like he could run in the first half. And they just he only got one carry in the second half. Um, and got hurt a little bit there, got dinged up. Uh, I think he came back in the game. But, yes, it surprised me that there was kind of almost a total abandonment of the run. I, you know, I think Dave Dorn kind of tacitly acknowledged that, that they threw the ball too much, didn't run it enough. You know, kind of said that it was kind of a situation of the game that dictated it that way. But you know, I think they got a little headstrong on the, on the strategy, to be honest. And... Uh, um, maybe there could have been an in-game adjustment that said, you know what, I know, I, we know we're not having run the ball well, and we know we can throw the ball on these guys, but uh, it looks like we might be able to run it too. Now, I'll add in that Wake Forest's struggles in the run game included a lot of teams that had quarterback run game that NC State doesn't have. So I think that kind of played into it a little bit. There were some questions about how well they could truly run the football, but yeah, I was surprised that it was almost totally abandoned. I never even tried at any point. Yeah, I'm, I'm not here to say that I disagree with the decision to really target, you know, Mecca Mezzi, right? He's matched up with a second-string corner on a defense that was already beaten up, a, a defense that was already leaky. Now you're down to the second string of that secondary. Of course you should target a Mezzi. But Mecca Mezzi had 15 targets compared to 14 rush attempts by ball carriers on the NC State offense. That that just seems a little bit too trigger-happy, in my opinion, uh, against a team that really struggled against the run all season. You know, and, and I get your point that Devin Leary's not a dual-threat quarterback. You look at the teams that had success against Wake in the run game, especially it was teams that had dual-threat quarterbacks. But it's not like Devin Leary is just this... I mean, he's not like Big Ben in the twilight of his career, right? It's not like he can't move. He's just he's just a really good pocket passer, and he leans in on his strength. But when he's asked to get out of the pocket, he can do that from time to time. I think that's maybe where you could say see his game evolve in future seasons here in Raleigh. Uh, you know, depending on what his future ends up being, because he's he's turning into you know one of the nation's best college quarterbacks right now, and he had a great game, four hundred yards. Four touchdowns. I knew he threw, he threw two interceptions, and they were costly interceptions. But when you throw 59 times, there's going to be an interception in there every once in a while. Um, and credit Wake's defense, too. I thought Wake's defense stepped up to the challenge after a tough week at UNC. I'm sure you know they had plenty of bulletin board material 
in that wake locker room just to say, look, everybody in the country thinks that your defense sucks and that this is just an offensive team. You know, there was plenty to fire them up to get going. And really, they only had, Wake's defense really only had to have one productive quarter to, to get the result that it wanted. I know, it, you know, when you look at the box score, NC State scores tw- uh, 22 uh, second half points. Seven of those came in the third quarter. Well, seven of those came on Bam Knight's 100-yard kickoff return to start the second half, which give, gives NC State its first lead of the game. The, three, or the four drives after that, punt, interception, missed field goal, punt. NC State didn't find the scoreboard again until the touchdown midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, to I think that was Devin Carter on the receiving end of that one. But, you know, NC State couldn't get going offensively, or at least they were knocking on the door, uh, getting into Wake Forest territory there in the third quarter. But it just seems like they couldn't finish drives. Of course, you'd love that field goal to go in. That means that you have a tie situation at the end of that game as opposed to, uh, you know, down three with that last kick and you needing an onside there within a minute to go. But, um, you know, I just, I you, you would have liked to see a lot, a, a few more run attempts. The fact that Bam Knight had two carries the way he did in special teams and he gets four carries on offense, four rushing attempts after, you know, showing that type of explosion. He was clearly ready to go, so I... I don't know. You, sometimes you, you, you got to let the horses go, and maybe you would have liked to seen a little bit more clock management there in the second half. Um, any other thoughts yeah. on the offense before we go to yeah, defense? I'm saying, I think this is, yeah, look, this is an honor coach. This is a collective effort. And I tell you this, I thought those players played their butts off. They tried their hardest. There was some missed execution out there, right? They, they missed some. I know on the very first third down that NC State had in the red zone that they had to kick the field goal on, you know, that, after forcing a three and out for Wake Forest to start the game, or they drive down to get the 50-yard plus bomb to Devin Carter. They're in the red zone. They have third and short. Wake Forest brings the pressure. Now, Ricky Poston's wide open coming out of the backfield. Easy touchdown. You know, linebacker was late getting over. Poston's faster than linebacker anyway. He has a step on him. It's only going to increase. You know, the blitz is coming from that side. Larry got to see it. You know, the blitz are cu- coming from the direction person is going in, 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 uh, in the route. So all Lily had to do was loft it up toward the end zone, and, and Ricky person just got to run under it, and they missed it. So there were, there were plays like that, right, that proved costly. But I also think this is a game where maybe sometimes the coaches outthink themselves a little bit. If that's a word, outthink, outthink. I don't know if like well, they outthought themselves. Outthought themselves. Maybe I don't know what you're right. out. You're out thinking yourself right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think the coaches did that a little bit. I think that's part of it on offense. The whole we have a great matchup with Amizi and Carter out here, and they just milked it to death, and and did not get others involved. And, and look, Amizi was fantastic, absolutely fantastic in that game. Carter, aside from a very costly fumble, was really good in that game. But it could have been a point of, you know what? Even even Ricky Poison had some good runs. I focus in on Bam Knight, but Ricky Poison had a few good runs too. And it could come point, you know, we we can't stop the run. Let's try let's try this out because we were struggling in the third quarter. We are struggling in the first quarter. Let's try something. See maybe. Um, and then another example with the squib kick, which they've done 
quit kicking it to in the first half, you know, after you scored two touchdowns in about a minute and a half to make it 21 to 20, Wake Forest. You know, you did a squib kick. They picked it up. Worked poorly executed. I get all that. But 28 seconds to go, and Wake Forest just saw a 21 to 6 lead evaporate to 21 20. You know, he just kicked the ball to the end zone. You just, I mean, just literally two minutes before that, Trenton Gill had kicked the ball to the end zone. Yes, the wind was blowing. Um, and I noticed that pregame. So I totally get the logic. But with 28 seconds to go, you kick it to the. Wake Forest is not looking for a play there. They just want to get to halftime. They've lost their momentum. They want to stop the bleeding, and you open the door for them to, uh, uh, you know, to happen the way it unfolded. So I thought there were a couple of instances of where coaches kind of outthought themselves a little bit, and this was the one game that we talked about was a good example of that. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought that point up. I completely agree. I think that there is some deserved criticism. You would have liked to seen some more, you know, attempts in the rushing game, not a complete abandonment the way we saw, but you also have to credit the coaching expertise to see the production from Emeka Mezzi, to see the production from Devin Carter, both of those guys having a hundred plus yard days in the receiving game, both combining for two touchdowns apiece, four total, um, all of Leary's touchdown throwing touchdowns right there. So yeah, I mean, I thought it was a very high-level college football game. It was a game that where I thought there was two teams that had deserved rankings in that game. It looked like it was a top-16 matchup. Somebody had to lose that game, um, and it was clearly a game where you know both sidelines just pouring it out because they knew what was on the line. We'll see how that ends up affecting both squads moving forward. Wake Forest has a really big game next week against Clemson, a game they're five-point underdogs to open. Um, that's a little bit head-scratching, considering Clemson's offensive struggles and considering how Wake Forest has shredded every defense it's faced this season. We'll see. The Wolfpack really needs Wake Forest to lose these next two games, as we talked a little bit about on the last podcast, or at least the preview co- podcast before the Wake Forest game. We were explaining this isn't a must-win if NC State wants to get to the ACC championship game. There is still a scenario that exists where NC State could find itself in Charlotte. Of course, now the odds are very much in Wake Forest's favor now because all it has to do is win one more game and it's going to Charlotte. So, again, quick reminder for everyone listening, Wake loses twice. they got to lose to Clemson, they got to lose to Boston College, and NC State has to win their next two games. Syracuse at home, UNC at home, and then NC State would go to Charlotte. But that's the only scenario that exists. It's still possible. I think you can still cling on to hope because I do. I expect Clemson to beat Wake Forest this week. I think I think Wake emptied the tank against NC State. Clemson's got its Super Bowl left. It's its only ranked opponent remaining on the schedule for Clemson. This is an opportunity for Clemson to redeem its season, get a big win against a top-10 team. And maybe find itself in the in the top twenty five when it's all said and done. We'll see. I think Wake Forest probably ends up handling business against Boston College. I don't see the Demon Deacons losing the next two games. But if you're NC State, all you can do is is win out and hope for the best, and 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 that's what you got to do. Uh, I don't know. Did you want to talk big picture? Or you want to talk defense, Matt? I can do both. I'll, I'll tell you this too. I thought the defense relatively speaking, probably played better than people think. It was just the third, third down killed them. And, and 
you know, this is a hard offense to be a corner against because you're so scared about them going over the top of you. You have to give them more space. And then you're so, all it takes is a moment's hesitation while they're holding that play action. You know, they're holding that mess for about, it seems like, five seconds sometimes. And all it takes is a half split second of hesitation on your part of the corner, and now you're in trouble. And it's so hard for them to, uh, that's a tough matter for the corners. But, I, you know, they held Wake to, you know, throw out the season opener against Old Dominion. Um, but only Syracuse held Wake to less yards in regulation, and it wasn't by much. Um, so, you know, it, it was just a moment. Uh, I think they, they just wore it down. They were on the field for 100 plays, not getting off the field on third downs. Third and longs is what killed them. Um, but I don't think they played that bad. And I think this bears well for the last two games of the year. And look, Dave Dorn talked about it today. They'll go undefeated at home. You know, the last time they did that, I don't even think Justin Williams, uh, I know for a fact Justin Williams didn't exist the last time they did that. I mean. When was, yeah. when was the last time they did that? Do you 1986. Know, or, okay. That's definitely pre-me. And you were just a young thing. I was six years old. Okay. Six years old. Um, so you have that aspect of it. You can still get a 10-win season. You can still beat UNC. That's three big goals right in front of you right now. And look, Wake Forest, you know, Boston College, Phil Djokovic, back. You know, you mentioned Clemson. Senior day in Boston. It's in Boston. It's in Chestnut Hill, right? Both of those games are on the road. Uh-oh. Phil Djokovic threw for 310 yards in his second game back. That's a good they sign. For, they ran for almost 200 yards on Georgia Tech. The running back had a 100-yard rushing game. Phil Djokovic, we just talked about the QB run game, ran for 71 yards and three touchdowns against Georgia Tech. Um, you know, that's, uh, I just say it might not be a gimme because the more game Phil Djokovic gets back uh, and, and the more he starts to feel like he was when he was one of the ACC back quarterback, I'm just saying they might be the type of team that matches up fairly well against Wake Forest. So don't lose hope yet. But it all must win for NC State. We'll talk about Syracuse. I like that matchup for NC State. We'll talk about that later in the week. Yes. Um, and then, of course, you hate the fact that it goes into UNC. You hate it. Potentially a lot on the line. But, you know, the, the good thing is that they will take the field. Just think of setup-wise. They take the field against Syracuse knowing whether or not the Atlantic is still on the line. And if Clemson went to beat Wake Forest, which actually, I kind of have a weird feeling that Wake will either win out or lose out. I have mm. a weird feeling that they beat Clemson and win out, or they lose to Clemson and lose out. But if you say a hypothetical, Clemson wins that game. Uh, NC State knows that. And then they're going to be Syracuse. Then the next week, NC State plays the day before Wake Forest. Yep. And if they would have beat UNC, all of a sudden... Wake that knows that it's got to go win. Yep. Wake now has a world of pressure because they know if they don't come through, 
they had let it slip away. And so you almost like the way it sets up from a timing perspective of NC State. You know, you know that you know going to the field against Syracuse if it's still a matter or not. And then you can put the pressure on Wake Forest in the last week. So it's, it's still hope. It's, it's a long shot. I understand it. It's, I actually think Wake Forest is going to beat Clemson. Um, but we'll see what happens. I don't, yeah, we'll, we will see. Let, let's go Tigers. Let's hope that uh, maybe 2020 version of DJ Uyunglele will show up Saturday in Death Valley. It, that might be – is Clemson going to uh, Columbia to play South Carolina? Is that Clemson's senior senior game? I have no idea. Okay. Maybe, maybe maybe that's an angle. They pour it out for Wake Forest. I do think – maybe they pull out the purple pants for that game. I don't think they've had a chance to do that yet. You might as well go ahead and do it because it, the, the, the season is uh, is expiring quickly before our eyes. Yeah, I agree. State, State's got uh, – you know, there's still, still reason to have hope. Of course, you would have liked the scenario to be that Wake Forest just needs to lose one more time, and you just need to win one more game, and, and would have been better. going to Charlotte. That would have been that would have been the more ideal situation. Let's get back to this game specifically because we still need to talk about the defense. And you were leading off your point there by saying that you thought the defense played better than people thought. I agree with you there. I don't I don't understand uh, the the pointing of fingers to the defense because. That's just completely ignoring the context of, oh yeah, NC State would not be in this situation if it weren't for the defense all season long. And it's not like the defense played really poorly. I mean, this is one of the best offenses in the ACC, and NC State held that offense to 406 yards. That's the good. If you told me that before the game, that NC State holds Wake Forest to 406 yards, I like NC State's chances a lot. The problem is... NC State also gave Wake Forest 119 yards for free. And what did we say in the preview before all this? The last thing you can do when you play Wake Forest, you can't give them free opportunities. They're too good. If you give them free chances, if you let, if you extend drives for them, if you give them extra yards, they're going to make you pay for it. And that's exactly what they did. Um, it seemed like a lot of those penalties were on PI penalties. It seemed like Pass interference was called very um, inconsistently, I think is the best term for it, on Saturday. I think that's how, just, that's how it NC State would, would term it. But you bring up a good point about the penalties. Go ahead. It, it just seemed like at times it's like, okay, we're going to let them play, and then we're not going to let them play. It's like you, you got to pick one if you're the ref. Because, I mean, the Wake Forest's first touchdown, to me, look – like, did Tanner Engel sell the push a little bit? Yes. Was it a push-off? Yes. If that's not a push-off, then you have to take that same energy through the rest of the game. Like, that's sending the message to the receivers in the secondary that we're going to let some hand, you know, you can play with your hands a little bit today. But I, what, were your, what were your thoughts on that? Because I think it played a very big factor in the game, and, and I hate to have that point in a game like this, but you, we got to address right it. Now. I don't, and I don't know if it, it was – look, I, I didn't look closely enough. Some of those were legitimate flags. And Chris Ingram passed in a fence when you got three guys all throwing the flags on it. I'm going to assume it was, it was a good flag. Um, the last one so, was for good measure. Like, he was looking at that official, and that official just, yeah, yeah crushed his soul with the flag throw. I, uh, 
but yeah, it kind of weird. You know, what got just over 400 yards of offense, you would not have think that they ended up with 45 points. And that's where I think maybe we could focus more on. There's been a lot of talk of the third downs and the penalties, and the penalties were big, but the, yeah, they got two short fields on special teams. One of them which was very questionable whether or not there was a black block in the back uh, on the punt return. They got the turnover where they only had to go five yards for a touchdown uh, after the Devin Carter turnover. And yeah, their first touchdown came on a very questionable missed pass interference, offensive pass interference call, which worked by the way third down. So that would have been a yeah, you, know, you accept the penalty. Now it's like third and forever, which may not have mattered given the way the game unfolded on third down. But, um, yeah, it's uh, kind of like Wake. I don't think Wake played well offensively. I thought Sam Hartman was pretty bad, to be blunt with you. I didn't think Sam Hartman was that good. I thought A.T. Pay was good mm-hmm. as receiver. The running back didn't have a run longer than double digit. They didn't have a double digit run all game. Longest run of the game was nine yards for Wake Forest by running back. Um, you know, tight ends made a couple of good catches, but I thought Hartman was off. I think there were just things that happened, and a lot of them legitimate, a turnover or a penalty that allowed Wake to sustain stuff that allowed them to score more than their production should have allowed them to score. And so... That's why you look and say, oh, the defense gave up 45 points. You said, well, they just hadn't committed a penalty or if they don't return the fumble down in the five-yard line or if they don't have a couple of long quick returns, yeah, maybe it's not not that way. But, you know, that, that football, you know, that's how, uh, <laughs> you know, that's it. And to Wake's credit, they don't typically beat themselves. They made more mistakes than they normally did with three interceptions. But you know they're not going to commit penalties. That's Wake Forest's M.O. since today. Wake Forest University started a football program, I feel like. Yeah. You you want to know why you don't give that team 119 penalty yards? Because Wake Forest had five red zone attempts. And they scored five touchdowns on those five red zone attempts. They don't miss their layups. That It's like, it, like Wake Forest is the solid dad playing at the YMCA that played like in the SoCon in college, you know, playing pickup basketball. Is he going to blow by you? Is he going to fast break? Is he going to dunk on you? No, no. But he's going to find the right pass when there's a man open. He's going to hit an open shot and he's never going to miss his layups. And that's Wake Forest. So, you know, in in, in comparison, NC State, four red zone attempts, just 18 points on those four red zone attempts. Wake Forest beats you two to one in the red zone. That's a killer. And also, an interesting stat: Wake Forest leads the ACC in positive and penalty yard difference. So they are they commit the fifth fewest penalty yards per game at fifty three point eight. But what's weird is that they have the third most opponent penalty yards per game at seventy point six. Only Clemson has a better in the ACC differential between their own penalties and the opponent penalties. Um, and so <laughs> you saw that. I mean, you, you know, they're not going to commit penalties and you, you've got to, you just can't return the favor and, and commit a lot to them. So 
It's what it is. You got to move on. Something to make of that third down efficiency that Wake Forest has. NC State really struggled against Wake Forest on third down last year too. In a game that, in a game that, let's not forget, NC State, like th- these two games, almost seemed like a continuation of each other, right? The first game in Raleigh. NC State wins that by three points in a game in the 40s. Very similar games. Very similar no, games. With the exact same score, 45-42. And you can say that it was kind of a different game. NC State with the Wake Forest of last year. NC State jumped out to the two-touchdown lead. Wake Forest battled back. NC State then in the second half jumped back out to a two-touchdown lead. Wake Forest battled back. NC State clinched the game late with a touchdown drive. Um this year, Wake Forest jumped out to a 21-6 lead. NC State battled back. Wake Forest goes back up 38-27 and then 45-35. Uh, um, NC State, you know, couldn't close it out. And Wake had to lay touchdown drive. So it was the exact same game. It was just flip-flop reversal of old. Home team with the beneficiary of both times. Two even squads. It, it... Of a strong, I mean, I know it's a classical rivalry in the ACC, but you know this recent stretch between Dave Dorn and Dave Clawson, and the way these two programs are trending, especially you know, especially when you look at Carolina, the way they've been conducting business. I know they're getting a little bit hot in the end of the season here, but you know they've really kind of been asleep at the wheel with all the recruiting talent. Now you look at the NC State and the Wake Forest of the world, seeing what they're doing with less talent. And, of course, I think that momentum is going to be translated to the recruiting trail. I mean, Wake Forest and NC State, you know, could be looking at these type of level programs for the next years to come. So, uh, interesting that the, the scores end up the final two years back-to-back against two good squads, two teams that are totally – I think both of these squads deserving to get to the ACC championship game. Um, one of them has to go. Wake Forest wins this one. Keys are in their hands. Let's see how they handle it. So I think that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, oh, yeah, we got to give out game balls. We didn't give out game balls last time. I always forget. Uh, Matt, I'll let you start. I think there's I think there's plenty to choose from. Yeah, I'll give it to Devin. Maybe. I mean, 400 yards, for career 400 yards, joined a pretty exclusive company list, 400-yard passes in a game. Um, wasn't perfect, but by and large, played a pretty good game. And um, so I think he did what the coaches wanted him to do in this game, aside from the two interceptions. And you know, I thought he outplayed Sam Hartman. I'll be blunt. I thought he outplayed Sam Hartman. I thought Sam Hartman was a winning quarterback, but Devin Leary played more like a winning quarterback in the game. Is there a question about that? Is anybody is anybody saying that Sam Hartman played better? Because I, I just, yeah. I, I thought, called Sam Hartman on the ACC Network studio, so I assume they were singing. Well, right. yeah, what are they going to put Devin Leary on there after they lost I mean, the biggest game of in the last 10 years for the program? I think I think not. But anyways, yeah, I, it's a good point, Matt. Um, but yeah, Dev, I thought that was obvious. Leary outplayed Hartman. I completely agree. I'm going to give my game ball to Mecca Mezzi, the beneficiary, or one of the main beneficiaries of Leary's good day. Uh, this was a very personal game for Mecca Mezzi. I thought he had some uh, past memories to squash in Winston-Salem, and he certainly did that with his performance. Ten receptions, 133 yards, 
two touchdowns. Were those career highs for him, Matt? They seem like it. At least the uh, yards. I don't the yard. Maybe he's had uh, more yards before. Yeah, you continue, and I'll look it up. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, I thought I thought he was excellent. Um, you could tell that when it was clear that NC State was going to lose that game, it looked like the soul had been ripped out of his body. The dude cares. This whole team cares, but um, Emeka Mezzi, I mean, way to put the team on your back. It seemed like some drives. I mean, some of those touchdown grabs, too. Those weren't – I know he was being guarded by a second-string corner, but uh, you gotta give got to give the corner a little bit of credit, too. It wasn't making it tough for Emezi. Emezi had to make some impressive catches. But did you find out, was it a career high? Yeah, well – Worth a career high in yard, not catches. Yeah, yeah. The catch, I think he's had more than 10 for sure receptions, but uh, that number, that receiving yards number seemed high for Mr. Amezi. So he gets my game ball. Uh, again, no, it's not the result that those two wanted, but at least they get the Wolfpacker game balls for their valiant performances. We'll see if the Wolfpack can take care of business against Syracuse. We'll be back for a preview podcast later this week on that game. That's going to do it for us. Uh, housekeeping before we get out of here. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, the Wolfpacker YouTube channel. It helps us out a ton. Thank you if you have already. If you haven't, go there and do it now. Now is as good a time as ever. Uh, give this video a thumbs up. Drop a comment. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, thewolfpacker.com is now a part of the On3 network. If you go to your web browser and you search thewolfpacker.com, you're still going to find us. It's just going to be a new look website. So take advantage of a special deal that the On3 network has for you right now. A dollar gets you an annual subscription to all of the premium content going on on the On3 network, plus at thewolfpacker.com. Be in the know about everything Wolfpack football, basketball, recruiting, you name it, it's there. You need to be a part of the message boards if you want to know all of the good intel going into the games. As Matt mentioned several times in this podcast, would have known a lot of context going into this NC State Wake Forest game, which would have been helpful as you were pulling on the Wolfpack. So take advantage of that deal. Just a dollar. You get a free, well, not a free year, but a whole year subscription. It's basically free. It's a dollar. Go spend it now. Uh... Subscribe to us. Uh, no, I already said that. Social media. Follow us on Twitter at the Wolfpacker. That's our main account. Follow me personally at Justin H. Will if you wish. And please give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on the Wolfpacker.com. So for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.